0: Welcome everyone to the Purpose Hangtime podcast. It is your host, Leon, and my co-host, Ricky Pang, And here with the main purpose of this podcast is to discuss interpersonal relationships, whether that is romantic with your lovers, whether that is platonic with your friends, whether those are familial ties with your family. So sit back, relax, come listening and hang with us. Two guys shooting the breeze. Welcome everyone to the Purpose Hangtime Podcast. It is me, Leon, and my co-host Ricky. So, today and today's episode is mainly based on imposter syndrome, and this seemed like the natural progression from looking at overcoming your comfort zone. And um, when I say natural progression, it also occurred to me while I was I literally was on a train commuting into work and something popped up with the BBC. And essentially, it was all to do with a new show on ITV called Nolly, which is based off Noelle Gordon. So I don't know if many, well, it depends on who, which cohort we're looking at in terms of our audience today. Uh, But, you know, yet again, I know we've got a vast audience here as it is. But Nolly was a part of Crossroads, which is a soap. If you think EastEnders, you think Coronation Street, it's one of the earlier days of British soaps and the most important thing when it came to crossroads is that it managed to go over a specific era of recording on TV. So black and white to color and Noel Gordon essentially is the queen of the soaps because she foresaw that massive change when it came to you know the soaps and when and seeing where technology went today well has gone today when it comes to television. So going back to that BBC article Helena Boham Carter which we know as Bellatrix Lestrange from the Harry Potter series, a well-known actress, interviewed for the BBC, and basically was saying how, oh, these are very, very big shoes to fill for me to portray this character. And she also discussed about imposter syndrome. And I was thinking to myself, you're an actress of such high standing. Why would you have imposter syndrome when it comes to this role? Which it was quite mm. profound for me. And then, then, then that led to another... Another interview that just popped up as well regarding Tom Hanks and the film called The Hologram for the King, where he stated he had imposter syndrome for that. And he also can relate to the prospects of self-doubt. So I was like, you know what? Imposter syndrome. This is a, a really good topic. Mm. Sent Ricky a few messages and thought, you know what? Shall we delve into this? Like, should we, this should be something that we actually, you know, sit and discuss because it's something that we both experienced. And I'm sure majority of the audience has experienced as well. So yeah. let's, from that, let's delve into what imposter syndrome is, you know? Mm. So imposter, imposter syndrome, the persistent inability to believe that one's own success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. So, you know, quite profound in terms of that sense. Myself and Ricky started new jobs in new industries. Yeah. So, you know, self-doubt has been there, whether we portray it or not, because obviously what the outside world sees and how we feel on the inside are two completely different things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we thought that we should delve into this. Ricks, do you have anything to note or anything to add regarding that definition of imposter syndrome? Do you have your own definition? No, I
1: think that is a pretty succinct definition uh, and it, it, ca- it encapsulates it, uh, it, it perfectly. Um, in terms of imposter syndrome but it's also Uh, quite interesting to hear that you know one of the greatest actors of our lifetime tom hanks also suffers that and it just shows that imposter syndrome doesn't matter who you are how popular how famous how big you are it can affect anyone uh at any time and you know it's it's gonna be a very interesting discussion uh, we're gonna have today uh, about this and obviously with us starting new jobs that's also going to come into factor as well in, in terms of our personal experience but yeah it'll be good to delve mm. into it a bit more
0: yeah definitely 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 so with without further ado you know in purpose normal purpose hang time fashion the main reason why we have these discussions is to improve those romantic familial and those platonic ties so how's, impo- how's imposter syndrome how does that affect that We're going to delve into what are the signs of imposter syndrome. We're also going to talk about the different types of imposter syndrome as well. Where do I sit? Where does Ricky sit? And it'd be good for the audience, obviously, to to sit and or sit, stand, whatever you're doing and kind of think, okay, you know what? Have I ever experienced this myself? Then we're going to lead into the examples, our own personal experiences, as we always do in Purpose Hangtime fashion, and shoot the breeze regarding that. And then ways to alleviate imposter syndrome, because you are enough, you know, I'll say that Ricky says that everyone is enough when they listen to this platform and everyone is enough when it comes to life. So let's go straight into it and look at some information that was provided by verywellmind.com, an excellent website when it comes to looking at mindset, when it comes to mental health and how to maintain that mental health. Mm. So the signs of imposter syndrome. So Mm. let's let's go for a few things. So audience, do you agonize over the smallest mistakes or flaws in your work? Do you attribute your sets to luck or outside factors? Is it the case where it's like, oh, right, right place, right time. Oh, it just happened. It's got nothing to do with my skill. Are you ever sensitive to constructive criticism? You know, someone points out, oh, why are you doing this? Or I think you could do that a little bit better. And you're like, oh, I don't like that. Do you feel like you're ever to be inevitably found out as a phony or a fraud? So, yeah, again, just pointing back to Tom Hanks, pointing back to Henley Bohem Carter, and even myself, and I'm sure Ricky, you can probably relate to this as well. You Mm. start up a new job and you're like, "Um, am I supposed to be here? I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Which is, the uh, for me, January, that first week was like, "Um, industry science, everyone's talking very, very fast and what what what's what does this have to do with that and why is there so many meetings you know it's one of those it, it, things exactly and then exactly similar, to, yeah, similar to my <clears> first <throat> week
1: you know when i uh, when i went over there and i'm like holy shit, head of head of self-development you know that's a that's a big title i mean you build your own teams you manage mm, it. i've exactly. never done it before i was like in my mind i was like should, should i really be here um you know can yeah. i really do it um but again, you know, that's just, I think it's normal in human nature. And in a way we kind of kind of link that back to our previous episode on getting out of your comfort zone. Right. And I think uh-huh. you know, for I mean, listeners that previously listened to it there, there was getting out of your comfort zone, you've got the fear zone, anxiety, and then the growth zone. Uh, and you know, I think imposter syndrome does kind of lie in that kind of fear and anxiety zone, which is normal. And I think you have to have gone through imposter syndrome to be able to, to grow from it.
0: Yes, exactly. To ultimately elevate yourself. You have to put yourself in that space where you probably have to be an imposter, but are you really an imposter? And I'm pretty sure I remember there being an episode from Stephen Bartlett on his podcast where he basically says he loves being an imposter because at the end of the day, he knows that by being, by framing himself in a place where he feels that he's not happy with, or he's not comfortable, he then becomes that person. So, yeah. And then the final sign, before we forget, yeah. do you downplay your own expertise, even in areas where you generally are more skilled than others? So, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, the t- the typical signs of imposter syndrome, we all have experienced it in life when it's come to anything new, whether that is a situation where we put ourselves in or whether it's a situation that's been forced upon us and we will further go into that when it comes to talking about our own experiences. So Mm. those are the signs. Those are the main signs when it comes to imposter Mm. syndrome. And then now I am going to talk about the five different types of imposter syndrome. Now, the reason why I feel that it's important to delve into the five is because, as we've all experienced imposter syndrome at some point, I think pointing out the five different types will then kind of give us a bit more understanding to the way how we feel and the way how we see things when we feel that we are an imposter in a new situation. So the five types, so five, the perfectionist, the expert, the natural genius, the soloist, and the super person. So I'm gonna delve into each five types and then we can discuss a bit afterwards regarding the types. So the perfectionist, mm. the type of imposter syndrome we're believing that unless you were absolutely perfect, you could have done better. And this is generally what stops people from elevating out of that comfort zone because it's like, well, if I can't do it to the best of my ability, why should I do it anyway? If I know that if I go into a new industry, if I know I'm not going to be good at it from, from the off and from the bat, why should I go and get that job? If exactly, if I'm to be in a relationship, like it's one of those things of, okay, if I know I can't give my best, why should I jump into that relationship even if someone's interested in me? So that's the perfectionist Mm. Uh, was it imposter syndrome type, the expert, person feels like an imposter because they don't know everything about a particular subject or topic because they haven't mastered every step in the process. I can put my hands up to that and say I'm pretty terrible when it comes to that, especially being in the science space. The natural genius, you may feel like a fraud simply because you don't believe you're naturally intelligent. So that could essentially mean that you're looking at everyone else in the room, you're comparing yourself, you're hearing a lot of slogans, you're hearing a lot of abbreviations. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't understand why I'm here. You know? Yeah. Which I'm sure we both can relate to, yet again going into two different industries. With me, the amount of different terms for everything, drug substance, drug product. I'm like, what the hell is this? (laughs) In my new role. Yeah. Like, oh, this is different.
1: Exactly. And, and with me going into,
0: even though it's still with the
1: SaaS industry, um, it's a different part of the SaaS industry where it's about financial compliance, mm-hmm. all these financial terms, you know, when my coworkers talk about it. And I'm like, huh? You know, I'm starting to get to grips of it. But yes, yeah. I, I totally feel like uh, in, in that particular um, uh, type of if syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth one, the soloist. Feeling like an imposter because you've had to reach out for help. You want to do things independently. But because now you've had to ask a manager or ask one of your co-workers, I need help with this situation because I don't understand it. That is another imposter syndrome profile. And then the super person, one who believes that they must be the hardest worker (laughs) or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you're a fraud. So with those five different types, Ricky... Not to put you on the spot here, but do which ones do you feel that you align to, or one, or which like what do you what do you feel, yeah, what do you think uh, syncs with you? What what were the ones that really really stood out to you, and you think that you can relate to with, regarding your new role, Percy? For me,
1: it'll be the um, super person. And it would definitely be the natural genius. Yeah. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. So with the super person, uh-huh. I always feel like I have to be the, the hardest worker in the room. I think from a young age, I was always in my parents always instilled me, you got to work hard to achieve what you what you want. Um, and similarly, uh-huh. you know, in my in all my professional career, especially in my last job, um, you know, I was working so hard. I wasn't taking enough time off. My work life balance was whack. Um, basically, uh, I'll stay <laughs> behind longer than I needed to. Um, yeah. and with this current job, I, I, I kind of feel like I, I need to do that as well, but while I'm beginning to learn, especially cause now I'm moving to Denmark, um, their, their kind of priorities are on work life balance as well is it's, it's, uh, it's, it's more healthy. And they said, look, my manager, okay. my current manager said to me. And it was a great piece of advice. I don't care how long you spend on doing a task as long as it gets results. So okay. that's what I'm begin. So previously, that's what I felt. I felt like, you know, you have to put the X amount of hours in this or put your maximum effort um, in order to, to, to feel like you belong in that organization or in that yes. role. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. because it, it all comes <laughs> back to belonging at the end of the day, isn't it? Because you exactly. wouldn't feel like an imposter if you felt like you already belong. So it's those initial stages of having... So yet again, I I always will put the relation back to our older episodes to look at the Green Flag series, that communication. Make sure that, you know, you can get a communication to a certain level makes you feel like you belong and it's not just surface level. And the only way you can deal with that is by understanding the parameters and the features of a certain workplace. Mm.
1: Yeah. And then the second one I feel like um, relates to me is Natural Genius. And I think this is more uh-huh. situational in terms of the new job. Again, uh-huh. when we talk about our specific personal examples, I'll delve a bit more deeper into it. But um, as I mentioned you know, um, before, I currently work in the SaaS industry, but I've moved into a different market or, or, or vertical of that space where previously I was uh-huh. um, selling like workforce management systems, now I'm helping to sell financial compliance systems. Now, I, <laughs> when it terms of financial compliance and the terms they use, it's still all aiding to me at this stage. And, uh-huh. you know, during that first week I was there speaking to my colleagues, you know, they were talking about financial compliance. They talk about specific terms in relation to financial compliance and management. And I kind of felt like this is, well, you know, well, this is just going all over my head you know i'm i don't mm. I, I don't get what what they're saying firstly and i feel like um should i even be here but i think that's yes. also a, is, a, mm. a natural process though right cuz i think within yes agreed to get acclimatized to to a job you're looking at maybe 3 months 2 to 3 months till you're
0: well versed Yeah, in, in i think maybe in terms mm-hmm. of yeah i think when yeah just just to jump in quickly ricky i think yeah in terms of being well-versed three to four months, but in terms of when you initially, I think, cause there's so much focus, especially when it comes to the UK or London, I don't know, I'm not gonna say the UK, but London culture in general of pick up and yeah. go, or you should be able to absorb things as fast as possible. And as a society, yeah. it's all quick media, quick this, quick that. You want to hit the ground running. Right cause that's something that I know that both myself and, well, you and I both had in common when, well, <laughs> before starting the both of these roles we both said to each other we want to hit the ground running however yeah. you don't in the first month of 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 working in a new place you don't even have all the pieces of the puzzle yet and especially when yeah. we're both working in startups even the company doesn't have all the pieces of the puzzle so how can you expect oh. that everything's going to work in a perfect way so exactly. it is all exactly. a part of you know that imposter syndrome Part as well and on top of that you're new to your colleagues everything is new everything is fresh so how can you belong straight away but once you start building up the foundations building up that attachment building up the communication with higher management uh senior management people on your level and people below you as well and when I want to say below not yeah. not not being derogatory but those who are ranked lower or you're the ones that you are their manager then that's yeah. when you build up the rapport and then you imposter syndrome then starts to fade. Huh. Exactly, exactly. So those are the That's two. Said, how about, how about hmm. you, Liam? How about you? What do you think you, what types of imposter syndrome do you, can you, or can you relate to? So for me, looking at the five different types, I can never say what I don't relate to. The perfectionist? Nah, because I'm not a perfectionist whatsoever. <laughs> i am rather rough and ready, but get there in the end, versus this has to work in the exact way that it has to work, if you see what I mean. Maximum efficiency happens over time. But I think for myself, especially being in the science field, the expert. So yet again, ladies, gents, or the audience in general, I was at Imperial for seven years. So after being there for seven years, I would feel like the expert in things that I've produced or experiments that I've optimized because it's all me in terms of doing that. I presented, I'm the one who produced the data. I'm the one who knows all the historic data. So I know everything on that subject matter so moving into a new role after being in a role for seven years I'm expecting okay hit the ground running I should be an expert in this in a week did that happen (laughs) no my first presentation for my new role (laughs) is the way I, I, I remember it quite clearly where it was like hold on a sec so I'm like, oh, say I said everything with chest. I was like, yeah. So this is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it. And then being corrected by senior management saying you are aware that's not a part of this, and you're like, I see, I know now, <laughs> sort of thing. Was it but, was yeah, it the case of me, like uh, I hope that hmm. was it just a case of like I just hope the ground swallows me right now. Not really. It was kind of just like, oh, that that's um <laughs> that's well not problematic because obviously I put the voice, put the voice out. But it was kind of like, oh, crap, I should have done, I should have known that or I should have done better. But it's all a part of the learning process, right? So yeah, again, going back to overcoming the comfort zone, it wasn't a comfortable situation, but, and I felt like an imposter saying, oh, this is what we're going to be doing as a new person and talking to more senior members of the group. But after that and and having a little chuckle, a little laugh, just like how we are doing now, I felt less of an imposter because yes it's been corrected and now I'm on the right I'm on more on the right track so I'm less of an imposter because now I'm more akin and aligned with the people that I'm working with so yeah. yeah so for me the expert is one I can definitely align to as well as this the super person thinking that I must be the hardest person in the room or I must reach the highest levels and if I don't I'm a fraud Me, I am definitely akin to overworking, especially with the COVID-19 work back in 2020. So, yeah, again, my my girlfriend, make sure I definitely make sure that I don't overwork now. And yeah, you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be working from 7 a.m. in the morning to 9 p.m. at night to avoid being an imposter you're not a fraud as long as you're present and you're learning stuff as fast as you can and you ask for help then yeah essentially you can move forward with what you need to do in your new role or whether it's a new relationship or anything like that so yeah so definitely yeah. it's those two the expert and the super person that i can uh, definitely relate to nice so yeah nice. Well, so ladies and gents mm, anything else you want to add ricky before we go on to the next part
1: I was just about to say, um, I think our familiar listeners know what's coming next. It's time for our personal examples yep,
0: now. Which I think we should actually probably call shoot the breeze section because it, le- it literally is the shoot the breeze section. So we've covered the science, of, we've covered the definition of imposter syndrome, we've covered the science of imposter syndrome and the five different types. So now, as Ricky has stated, the personal examples, who shall go first? Should it be me? Should it be you? Up to you, mate, yeah. right? <laughs> as we're shooting uh, the breeze and just uh, discussing. Yeah, yeah no, I'll go first.
1: I'll go first.
0: OK, cool. Right. Let's let's discuss. Let's discuss. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it, and I've, I've used this example before, but I think it's also um, very pertinent to, to what we talk about today, it's basically transitioning uh. from leaving my old job to my new job. Now, in my old job, uh, as I mentioned before, I was uh, an account executive. uh, And what simply they do is they do demonstrations of the software. So basically we're selling the software to prospects for them to buy. Now the new job, it's something even though it is in sales, it's a different part of sales and it's more to do with developing, managing uh, and building teams. So uh-huh. you can imagine that going from just an account executive, you know, necessarily just has to focus on hitting targets and closing deals, to so actually building and managing teams is a whole completely different kettle of fish, right?
0: And I felt like that yeah, it sounds like a massive jump as well. So yeah, it's just it's in terms of the mind, yeah, it definitely must use up a lot of energy. Exactly, and then you know when I was
1: doing the the interview, um. The second part of the interview was actually doing it with the CEO. Now, I've never actually done an interview with a CEO before, um, so it's a completely different experience. Oh. And I was, you know, told to discuss what my three, six, and twelve month plan is going to be for how to build teams, how to, you know, um, make processes more efficient. Um, so as I was presenting that, I, I kind of felt like within the first minute, you know, the CEO was on the screen. I felt like, oh. Damn, uh, uh, I was doubting my own abilities and I was like, shit, can I really do this? Uh, you know, is my plan actually going to
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, uh, make sense to them? <coughs> you know, are they going to correct me on the yes. spot? So I was, as uh-huh. I was presenting, um, well, I didn't realize at the time was my, my my now my now manager said that, you know, you've got the job within the first five minutes. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Uh. So I, and there was this one thing the CEO said, which still resonates with me. I've seen enough. And that was the first five minutes of me talking. Nice. But I didn't catch uh, that at the time. Uh-huh. So I was like, I was continuing, continuing, continuing. Uh-huh. And as I was going along, I became more confident. I became more confident in what I was talking about, what I was discussing, what I was saying, uh, and then the CEO just uh-huh. the final comment she made was like, good, I think you're too ambitious. That was it. <laughs> when I came off the call, I felt yeah. I felt really good, you know, I felt like shit. I'm not presented to uh, you know a C level person, but with that experience, uh-huh. I felt great. I felt, yeah, you know, next time I, next time I need to present to them, I feel more confident. I feel less nervous. Um, obviously they like to structure my flow of the presentation. So I kind of know um, how to structure it next time. Uh-huh. So that was the interview. Yep. Going into the first week of the new job, sitting down with my colleagues, Bear in mind, I already know some of them from, from my previous job. But just you know, sitting down, uh-huh. you know, getting to know my new colleagues. Um, again, because I felt like I'm fresh meat, basically. I've just come into the company.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: I feel like uh, you know a bit of imposter. It's always, as well. always a hard it's position like, you know, to be ne- in. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like I needed to prove myself right from the off. I need to hit the ground running. You know, I need to put uh, X amount of hours that's... in to, to prove uh-huh. myself there.
0: Mm, that's a key point. I needed to prove myself. Now, I've actually got two questions for you. With you explaining, yep. you know, this, this situation. Well, you, you explain. Well, you explaining the interview, and you explaining your first week slash two weeks of work. So, when, what during the interview, when they stated that you're are, you are too ambitious, how did that make you feel? Honestly.
1: I actually took that as, in a weird way, positive. To be fair, because uh-huh. it showed that um, we, we we, I was probably running ahead of myself in, in that regard, but it, it kind of showed that that we were going towards the, the, you know, the right direction. It's just the timeline we needed to align. Uh-huh.
0: So, uh-huh.
1: it, 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 in my mind, it's, it showed me or that um, I know what I'm talking about in terms of this plan. It's just that the execution yes. and the time frame, we just need to align that. But in terms of the actual content, like it, I didn't get feedback saying, um, you know, uh, this is wrong or, you know, have you have you thought about looking at, at this? They were like, no, good, 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 just too ambitious. So that actually made me feel good uh-huh. inside.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Um, what the other thing I was going to ask as well, that fresh meat feeling when it came to your first two weeks of work like how did your your you're quite you're a person who's got quite a lot of charisma you're a person who generally is quite friendly um Mm. i say generally no you are friendly (laughs) generally um so with that what how did you overcome that the fresh meat feeling like what what was the the best course of action
1: I think, and it relates to our um, previous content or around communication, um, you know, sitting down hey. uh, with my work colleagues, you know, whether it be meetings or just introducing myself, um, you know, saying hi, um, that that kind of, um, I felt more warmed up to the organization and the people. And to be fair, after that first week, mm-hmm. I already felt like part of that uh, that family right there. And the thing is my current uh-huh. team, I, you know, I loved, I loved them so much already, you know, obviously I speak to them every day, but them as a people, uh, and who they are, you know, it's something which I can definitely align to. Uh, uh-huh. and there was one also within, I think it was on the, I think it's actually on my, the, the day I actually flew in? And this made me feel uh-huh. so much at home as well. Um, So the CEO took me for a walk, a 40 minute walk, Uh just me and the CEO. And we were Uh just talking about it. And she there's one thing she said, I am happy and excited for you to be here. And I can't wait, you know, for you and your team to, you know, um, help, help the company. And I believe in you and, you know, coming off, coming off that walk with a CEO, uh-huh. it made me feel so good inside. It made me feel, okay, yes, I'm here. I deserve to be here. Uh-huh. They, they have. I have the backing of the CEO. And that made me feel less of an imposter as well. So it's basically... And then it talking to my colleagues, giving a it sense to know of that belonging. Mm. It did right away. It's, it instilled a sense of belonging. Um, I felt part of the family and I'm like, shit, let's go, let's go. Um, so that's uh-huh. what really kind of made me feel less of an imposter and, and more part of the... The family uh, over there
0: no great and it seems like well this is the thing if you're liked and you're accepted fully into your workplace which i think now i did well i can say i can relate to you in terms of uh working with a new a new group of people and a healthy positive work uh what would i say ethos or a, I want, see, I don't want to use the term family because you're expected a lot more of you as being a member of a family, being a member of a family, but yeah. when you feel like you're being fully accepted with open arms into a new place, it really, really, really does remove that imposter syndrome. Yes, you may put extra pressures on yourself, <laughs> but it's yeah. so nice when someone can at least say, okay, well, if you do have any issues with this role, let me know, let's talk so and let's see what we can work out. Let's discuss so yes, it does require that higher level of communication, nothing surface level of course, because then you alienate yourself. And in terms of yeah. I don't wanna go in really into attachment, but it's that accountability, it's everything else that's involved that we have mentioned in the Green Flag series, which is relatable in a work basis as well. So yeah, but no, exactly. congratulations yeah. on the new job yet again. I know yet yeah, again it's fight we we're five weeks in. Uh was it five weeks for yourself? You travelled over to Denmark and back quite often and yeah it's, it's a it's a tough time but you've definitely jumped over the hurdles that come with imposter syndrome and yeah now you are a part of the team and i'm sure we're going to be expecting yeah. and seeing a lot of great things from you so yeah again audience when it comes to uh, the episode podcast we always celebrate the people who are involved in this so yeah keep it up ricks man and keep it up you're doing well thank you thank you
1: thank you Have... so, so leon yeah. tell me more about your example now i'm guessing yours is similar to mine but obviously there are some other aspects that you want to also talk about maybe your new relationship you know and stuff like that
0: yeah so what i'm gonna do i am gonna make mine multifaceted so i'm gonna make it a mixture of my previous work a mixture of my current relationship and the inception of that and also mention something that i haven't really mentioned in these episodes for the purpose of hanging time and that's the passing of my dad in 2021 and the new challenges that that, that, involved, that were definitely involved when it came to that. So in the interest of time, I'm going to make it five-minute slots for those, if I can, and see what mm. we can do. So so I'm going to start from my previous workplace. Um, and as I said before, seven years at the MAST, um, at an academic institute, and it was amazing. But it took a good five years for me to really, really, really understand And for me to really not self-doubt myself, just really have that self-approval nature to just say, you are good enough. Which might sound crazy because you're thinking, hold on, five years in a job and it's only after five years you felt that you were a really, really good scientist. But let me delve a bit further into it. During my time at the academic institute, it was one of those things where this was my first job, first proper job after my master's. So everything I learned immunology-wise was learned at that point and growing with the group. Obviously, the challenges that came with it was always great. But there was one main thing that I always noticed, always, always noticed, and that I was the only black scientist or the only black male scientist. And this is one of those things where uh, bringing the whole ethnicity into being an ethnic minority, it was like, hold on a sec. Yeah, I'm surrounded by Caucasians. I'm surrounded by uh, Asian scientists. What the hell am I doing here sort of thing? So where the yeah. game changer was in terms of that, obviously in terms of the group, very inclusive. I didn't, they didn't make me feel like I was any different to anyone else. Cause at the end of the day, you're here for the science and you're here for your expertise at the end of the day. There's yep. no other reason why yep. you are going to be working, there. even though we do see with certain jobs, um, there are certain quotas that do need to be filled. That's a topic for another time. But in my mind and my me self-deprecating myself. It was, well, I'm black, I'm here to fill in the quota. There's not really that many Caribbean black scientists. So yeah. So I gave an interview with the Imperial as one belonging series. And yes, I will now mention the Academic Institute. My name is all over the internet. And it was with this interview, which was a good hour long. It was 2021 when I gave this interview. And it basis was me explaining my time at Imperial and explaining what, in ter- what what's the meaning to me to belong to Imperial, as a college or as a as a university. And with that, I did state my initial upbringing's and the self doubt, uh, regarding yeah. my undergraduate getting a two two. I never felt that I was good enough, so I felt that I was an imposter because I wasn't an expert. I wasn't, you know, my me looking at myself in that view and in that lens. I was like, well. I'm not perfect. I'm not the greatest. I'm lucky to be here without actually Mm. seeing the other side of the lens of how my colleagues and how my boss and how the professor saw me. So it was great to just dive into that, explain a lot of confidence was built up during the COVID-19 pandemic work that we had to do and all the vaccine work. So after all that was explained, the host, uh, he actually became my mentor, funnily enough, afterwards, which is great. Um, and yeah, we just, it, we kept up that really great report. But what I truly, truly, truly remember from that conversation and being at Imperial and me really, really confronting that imposter syndrome, I received a lovely email from the professor of the group. And that email basically stated, I listened to your interview. And just to remind you, the reason why you are here is because you are an amazing scientist and you add so much to our group. And that was just amazing to see amazing to hear you know and it's just it's just really being valued by others for your work so yeah again with the audience we've spoken about joining new to a company or new to a new role at work and this is me talking about being a part of work and just having that self-deprecating values for myself but then seeing how the the rest of the world views you in a position and yeah it was truly heartwarming truly great and it really lifted me up and I ended up carrying out quite a few interviews as well after that, just based on vaccine hesitancy within the yeah. black community and really boosted myself up. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a great time to really, how... really sit and delve and look into it. Mm-hmm. How uh, how big was your team? So my immediate team for the vaccine work was about three people. But in terms of the whole group, it was about 30.
1: And you were the only... Um, male black scientists in, in that group of 30.
0: Yeah, exactly. In that group, which, yeah, again, um, it's not, okay. it it wasn't on the basis of that's all that they would, you know, it's not just me that they would recruit, but in terms of yeah, yeah. black yeah. ethnicity, when it comes to research yeah. science, you don't really find a lot of us there. <laughs> so it was, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was quite nice to just talk and discuss and just bring that out. And then I ended up, the consequence of me having all these interviews was that, and when I say consequences in the positive aspects, I ended up being nominated for an award regarding uh, societal engagement, which was great. It was, it was a great reward to just being open and honest. And I think it's one of the precursors to yet again, starting up this podcast. So yeah, and no, I definitely was great to just open up and talk about that. But that's a, an, I mean, that's a perfect example of imposter syndrome, then delving into it and then opening up and realizing, hold on, I'm not an imposter here. I belong here. Exactly. And first of all, amazing, amazing
1: achievement. Um, so full credit to you, my man. Um, but but I think just using Thanks, that mate. example is, is similar to, to mine. It's that when you get that sense of uh, recognition of value um, from your boss, uh. it does make you feel good, right? It makes you feel like, okay, no, there's a reason why I'm here. There's a, And I deserve to be here. Uh-huh. I deserve this role uh, and I'm going to, yeah you know do my best i'm going to run through brick walls to get where i need to go so yeah it's just that sense uh-huh. of recognition and value and and i think that's probably one of the basic um needs of humans to be recognized and valued by others yes, exactly. so yeah that, um, mm. that's um so that's going back to no, maslow's law awesome, as well dude. that
0: we have delved into before mm, being recognized yeah, we're, we're to not make gonna make go sense. into that and then
1: we're not we're not gonna go no nah, we won't delve too, deep too into, into it but that <laughs> nah, nah. is
0: it is that's true but it is one of those things that makes you as a human feel that you can strive for more and yeah again the purpose of the purpose hang time improve those connections make you strive for more as well so you know so that's yeah, that dude. and then on the on the topic <laughs> of belonging let's move on to the new relationship well not so new now because you know it's been quite a while yes i've moved in but It's not as new. But for me, when it came to the imposter syndrome regarding this, regarding this relationship, this romantic relationship, when I met my girlfriend, obviously it was during a time where my life was quite hostile. And essentially for someone, for me, I couldn't accept. And obviously, I think on top of it, I was also scared with the current premise with the divorce and everything as well. I felt like an imposter regarding someone else wanting to be there for me wanting like having all their well not every single you know not everything put together correctly but a homeowner someone who is very very successful in their career why would they want someone who literally is freshly divorced and what is it that I can add to a relationship regarding this so yeah for me that's where the imposter syndrome kind of came in. Like, why me? If I'm the one who's currently going through divorce or is being divorced, yeah. why should I then deserve happiness on the basis of, you know, I'm just a nice person and yeah. that drew quite a bit of guilt for a long period of time and still something that I'm dealing with at this current moment as well. That how comes I can have it so easy? This is just a, it's a lucky break. Uh, this doesn't normally happen. This is more of a fairy tale, Disney sort of situation. So it took a long time for me to accept and remove that imposter syndrome of "Am I good enough?" So the constant theme for me throughout my life is "Am I good enough?" or "Do I feel good enough?" Regarding this. Yeah. Now, obviously, I've let go of that imposter syndrome and basically stated, okay, yes, she may be a homeowner, yes, she has, an, she had an incredible job and now she's working, like she literally, she, she's now self-employed and doing amazing things in her area of expertise. At the end of the day, I'm doing well in my lane and I shouldn't compare. And that's the main thing as well. When it comes to imposter syndrome, we like to compare. It's a human thing to compare, but comparison is the thief of joy, Right? So it, it, by allowing exactly. yourself to and, be and, out that comfort zone, as you stated before.
1: No, but, but just to to, to kind of add to that, um, when you said comparing yourself with others, mm-hmm. and I always felt like this, and you always felt like this, that everyone is mm-hmm. living life at a different pace. Um, you don't know what mm-hmm. other circumstances or situation they've been in previously. Um, and, you should never compare yourself you, you can't compare yourself to another person because everyone has different life situation, yeah. everyone goes through things differently at different times right so there isn't like a, an apple exactly. for apple an apple for apple comparison there so it's quite important uh, just to stress to 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 the audience that hey it doesn't matter if you don't if you haven't achieved no. this this or this by by this age or this time frame you know the most oh, no. important thing is just to as long as you have a goal, a direction where you want to go, uh-huh. uh, okay, it, it, you, may not get, uh, you may not get there in, in the time you want to get there, but eventually you have a sense of direction, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's <coughs> what I wanted to add to that.
0: Yeah, a sense of direction and a trust in the process. There, will always, will be, there always will be bumps in the road, but if you trust in the process, you can then start to navigate things in a certain way. There's always going to be hard times regardless of what you do in life. But then at the same time, um, a famous quote that we have stated in the past as well, smooth seas do not make great sailors. At the end of the day, you need to have, it's not saying you should seek out always problems or things that are super, super, super difficult. But at the end of the day... You can't be a great sailor or you can't navigate life or effic- efficiently or effectively by everything just being good and great. There are certain things exactly. that are going to appear when you're not ready. And that is when the imposter syndrome will start to kick in. But if you have that trust in the process and that trust within yourself, you can navigate in a specific way. And on that note, I want to go on the final, final, final example. Sorry, Ricks, I'm outdoing you with examples today. But I feel that they're all important things to just kind of point out And it's kind of at the same time build a general rapport with you and build a general rapport with our audience. So, the final thing passing of my dad, which I haven't really stated in this or in previous episodes whatsoever, because divorce and everything else has been the main focal points. But now that we're looking at at refining the connection, let's have a a very, very brief talk about the passing of my dad. So, my dad passed uh, early 2021. So this was at the same time whilst divorce was going through. So it was a whole heap of things going on, which has led to the creation of the person you see today on the camera. So where imposter syndrome comes with that, the past of my dad wasn't sudden. It was something that we knew was going to happen eventually. And it's for me, it's, it was stepping into that new role and that new realm of life where now you are a man at the house. Now you are the one who has to... Be, I won't say be in control, but you're the one who now has to assign, delegate, get things sorted out, organize a funeral, organize all these other things that my dad would do in the, in what, yeah. when he was here. Be the person, yeah. be the breadwinner of the house and making sure that, you know, when it comes to your family being looked after, make sure that the family's looked after and be that role model for everyone that is there. And with that, that obviously caused massive, massive changes in my being. The imposter syndrome was, oh, but, you know, before I wasn't the man of the house, I wasn't the the leader in that sense. And I think it's one of those things which it's not, we didn't know when he was going to pass. He was seriously ill. But it's one of those things that when that does happen and the imposter syndrome comes in at a time where you least expect it, you then have to trust your heart. Yeah. You then have to trust yourself. You can't then. Yes, you're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to, you know, be. You're allowed to just be in your own shell and just try and get things sorted out in your own particular way. But when it does come to that sort of thing, it's it's a transition process. A transition process, definitely, indeed. And yeah, it is one of those things where it's it's a poignant point, but you look back. Once you've gone through a certain situation like that with new eyes, with new things, and you can then look back and say, okay, yes, I felt like an imposter, but you grow into the role very, 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 very quickly. And yet again, as long as you can communicate with those loved ones about what this new role is, because all humans are constantly in flux. We're always changing. We're never stagnant at one position in life. And if there's anything I can say to those with imposter syndrome, is just trust the process. And get that communication going. So yeah, I didn't delve too deep into my father, but it was a massive change for me regarding just yeah. my life in general. 2021 had a lot of changes, so you know. But still here, still cracking a smile, and obviously, may he rest in peace. You know, may he rest yeah, in peace. Yeah, exactly. We just try as a family to just keep things going, keep the ship sailing, and make sure that we are there for each other. So yeah, yeah. those are uh, my three examples, delved in. Yeah, just
1: just a quick note on, on your dad. I mean, your dad was you know one of the the kindest um, people ever. Every time I went to your place, he always made me feel welcome uh, and at home. So yeah, no, it was um it was very sad, um, you know, when uh. I, when I heard that news. But um, I think with these two specific examples, personal. Uh, relationship and the passing of uh-huh. your father, uh, you know, you could see how um, if, you, if you look at the progression from um, that period to now, you know, personally, I could say uh. you've, it's made you a much stronger and uh much more um, a well-rounded uh, individual. So, um, yeah, those were hard experiences. But as you said, you've come out of it on the other side. Um, you've learned, uh. you've grown, you've developed so much. So, yeah. just want to say you know um well done
0: yeah thanks man and as i said we continue to shoot the breeze because this is the purpose of this of this podcast is to discuss about these sort of situations and how we align to it discuss build that rapport and just keep improving those connections so you know so on that note we're now going to go to how unless ricks do you have anything else to add if you want another example, feel free. If not, we can we can go <laughs> into how we improve the imposter syndrome. It's up to you, man.
1: Well, no, I mean, uh, obviously, I, uh, as our listeners know, I I don't have a relationship to talk about. So I think moving swiftly on, let's just go back to <laughs> let's just go to the. So yeah, uh, so tip on the advice. romantic
0: side of things, yeah, it's one of those ones. We ah, it's all right. It'll be it'll be useful in retrospective anyway when we talk about these things. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so let's move on to the advice regarding how to overcome imposter syndrome because I feel that it's important for all of us and all the listeners to just you know let's delve and really sit and think so quite a few points regarding this one but it should be quite self-explanatory but I think it's valuable information and yet again is from uh, the verywellmind.com I think that they're brilliant website so share your feelings Yet again, self-explanatory, we've spoken about this many times with the previous series and this series. Share your feelings, <clears throat> because the main problem is irrational beliefs on how you feel at, in the workplace, how you feel in your relationships, whether you're worth it or not, tend to fester when they're hidden and they're not talked about. Your mind can play many, many games on you. If you're in your own echo chamber and you are perpetuating one sort of message to yourself, that message becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And that becomes your belief system. By talking to yeah. others, such as like how I talk to Ricks on this podcast stuff, which we unveil new things all the time about how we feel, it gives me a new perspective and a new leaf, a new lease on life. So mm. it's very important to share your feelings about how you feel. If you are feeling that imposter syndrome and you're finding that it's difficult to deal with, so whether that's a loved one, whether that's a friend, whether that's family, keep it real. Yeah. Focus on others. Now at this point. I was a bit, hmm, what do you mean focus on others? Because we've already spoken about how comparison is the thief of joy, right? But the thing is, if you focus on others instead of yourself, we're not saying focus on other people's attributes and compare yourself. We're talking about focus on others, discuss and see what attributes they bring to the table because new attributes become your new strength at the end of the day. So communication being able to communicate with those who you know can help you out of those sort of situations where you're like damn i feel incompetent in this if people have been with a company for six months to a year they're going to know how it runs so whether that's senior whether that is the c-suite guys and ladies yeah talk and build your own confidence in terms of those abilities the next point assess your abilities yeah jump in man Jump in in time Mm
1: just to go back on the on the focus on others so is it more case of Mm -hmm. speaking to your managers or or speaking to a friend who has a similar role i mean just trying to it can
0: it can be any and anyone like if you like i think a good example that i can probably bring up to that focus on others is when let's say like first two weeks of me working in this new place and i was like Mm -hmm. hold on you have to do x y and z why does everyone know so much or why or what am i supposed to do with the the empty time that i have in the lab like i don't my kits haven't arrived everything else hasn't arrived and i spoke to one of um my aligned scientists within the same group and he was like (coughs) oh yeah sorry was i forgot to say here is some data uh, regarding all our past meetings here's some old presentations to get you up to speed so by bringing that focus over to him and then also talking to others. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I felt this way when I first started. And it's like, okay, I'm not the only one who feels this way. So that's what, that's what, we're, that's what we mean in terms of, okay, focus on others. Seeing how other people feel at that, exactly ti- at that exact time point. Because they can then bring their retrospective, um, was it, ideas or retrospective perspective on that first week and second week. And you find that you probably feel the same as everyone else. Mm. Or how everyone else felt at the exact same position. So yeah, so that's oh, that me just me just, yeah, focusing, just going a bit more, uh, delving a bit in, further in on focusing on others. Now, the yeah. third thing, assess your abilities, because something that most people generally do not do is write out <laughs> what they're actually good at. Like, I'm not saying Guilty. everyone needs to journal, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's like we, we as humans, and especially in this society, yeah. we're so focused on what we're not good at To the point where we obsess about it oh i don't know how to dribble like Messi. oh i don't know how to be really really good at this video game or oh Mm. i don't have Mm. i don't have a property just like when it comes to me talking about my girlfriend i don't own a property but what's that got to do with anything Mm. because at the end of the day when you look at your strengths what else do you bring to the table oh i'm a research scientist and i understand really really (laughs) complex systems or I'm in sales and I know how to, I can sell salt to a slug. You know, it's like, I've got the gist of the gab when it comes to charisma to so be just pointing out or looking at you, Ricky. So, you know. Well, I, th- I think that's really important as well. And I'm
1: guilty of not doing this, uh, if I'm being honest. Because um, part of my new role is to, to be able to, to coach and, and mentor people, right? Um, and I always uh-huh. felt like me, myself, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be, you know, I don't think I'll be the best at it, but it's only when you also speak to other people, uh, and in a way, they kind of assess your ability, they, they kind of assess your abilities, um, and it was, a few of them said, look, uh. I think you'll be good at it, is that why? Because, you know, you actually take time out to kind of coach and, and develop people, um, so yeah, it's uh. also important to to you know um assess your your abilities and write them down i mean i have i I, i'm guilty of not doing it but uh it's kind of
0: good to also Mm -hmm. have that validation from others as well it's very important to have that self-assessment and ask others how do you think that i'm doing or can i do this any better yeah it's always important next point take baby steps the famous saying goes rome was not built in a day right so how can you expect to be an expert in whatever new role that you're in, in the space of a few days or a few weeks? That's not how it works. Now I know with me, the first week of this new role, I had a lot of brain fog thinking to myself, am I good enough to be in industry? I'm yeah. still here now after a month. So it's one of those things where, you know, you have to yeah. allow yourself to take baby steps. Yes, we can. Cause I know we both can laugh about this, Jumping in and r- like r- hitting the ground running, but ultimately, there are always going to be obstacles in the way to stop you from hitting the ground running. Which most of the time, that obstacle is your own mind. Try and do things exactly. in a good, well structured manner and reward yourself with it, and don't obsess about doing things perfectly. Yeah. The next point question your thoughts important. exactly is what you're thinking is it rational? I remember yet again in Imperial. Whenever I would have a lab meeting or a journal club, I would think to myself, oh, I'm going to get obliterated when I say, when I assess or when I explain this graph wrong, in which ultimately what you kind of realize is, it's not that people don't care, well, what you care about the most in terms of, and all that focus on, okay, I've got this bead of sweat dripping down or are people even interested in what I'm working on? Most of the time they actually are. Yeah. And most of the time people are applauding you for the hard work that you put in to putting a presentation together or, you know, all the new ideas that you've decided to of course. share. So of course. question, questioning those thoughts, stop being self deprecating because most of the time no one else is thinking the same thoughts that you are. And it's your echo chamber. That's allowing you to perpetuate that in your own mind. Mm. Next point, stop comparing. We've already stayed, we've already delved into this many, 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 many times comparison the thief of joy stop doing it it's not necessary because ultimately you don't need to do that at all to be successful in life yes when it comes to if you're battling out for on a video game and you need to compare let's say you're playing some fifa you need to compare your different teams and all these other attributes it may make a difference but ultimately wolves can still beat man united in a video game and that's not me putting anything down exactly but in terms of amount of money spent and the amount of talent in terms of a video game, it's completely different, yeah. right? But seek to enjoy your role versus the comparison of am I good enough or not? Be genuine and be an interested in learning General. more. Using social media moderately, I think that we can probably delve that into a different episode because that's a meaty one within itself. But yeah, again, it's about yeah. healthy balance, healthy work-life balance when it comes to... Um, avoiding that imposter syndrome. And the final two points, just point out there, Just final two points. Stop fighting your feelings. If you feel a certain way, talk about it and don't feel that, oh, I'm not valid to feel this way. You know, talk about it, write it down, discuss with your friends, family, loved ones. And then the final point, and I think the most important, the refusal to let this imposter syndrome hold you back. There's been plenty of times where we're in a new we're in a new uh, situation and we're like, crap, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. But magically, well, I say magically, rationally, you always seem to find a way to succeed or you find a way to make sure you can carry out the task at hand in an effective manner. So why let yourself hold back? Take those those self-deprecating mindsets, move them away and just focus on the task at hand and focus on just the learning aspects. Yeah, again, not everyone can do yep. things perfect. For the first time you do it, so move forward with that and just do. Just refuse to let things like this hold you back. I know that in terms of the points regarding imposter syndrome, that's why I'm going to leave it there. I think that we've had a pretty good discussion regarding our experiences with it regarding imposter syndrome. Wouldn't you say, Rix? Yeah, I think we think I think we've made yeah.
1: and analyzed and explored some very very good points in there. Uh, as well and um, yeah I think we've we've covered it perfectly
0: yeah so with that without further ado we're going to go to the final part which we normally do the quotes in which Eleanor Roosevelt seems to be a very popular choice in terms of quotes I wonder who keeps choosing that anyways (laughs) (laughs) no one can make you feel inferior without your consent and that is very very true because feeling inferior is a personal mindset so if you don't Mm -hmm. feel that you're good enough that perpetuates outside. That's not because someone else has made you. Someone else can say words, but you're the one who perpetuates on the inside anyway. So exactly. I'm gonna say that again. No one can make you feel furrier without your consent. So let's beat imposter syndrome. Let's go out there and refine that connection. Yeah, again, just two guys shooting the breeze. Thank you very much for listening. And that's the end of the imposter syndrome episode thank you very much thanks Ladies for listening guys right, take care bye bye